Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, home improvement, hour two, lunchtime, bean time, strap on the feed bag, put a few shrimp on the barbie, fire up the grill, throw some steaks on. Can you tell I'm hungry? Oh, sorry. Never mind. Lunchtime, KMOX. Thank you for joining. We have phone lines wide open for you. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120-800-925-1120. That's toll-free from anywhere on the globe. Miracle of modern phone, internet, and radio. So um, I guess my <clears throat> furthest away phone call was some years ago, and that was from Puerto Rico. And the guy lived in St. Louis, and he called me in the middle of February. I mean deep freeze time. And he said, you know, how do I keep my pipes from freezing? You know, and after chatting about being in Puerto Rico, it's like, what do you care? You, you know, it's a 90 degree. Why are you? Well, he lived in St. Louis, and he wintered in Puerto Rico. And so he just wanted to know, how do I drain down my pipe so I don't have to run my heat throughout the whole year when I'm gone? And I thought that was interesting. But anyway, I hope he hasn't blown away because Puerto Rico really took it on the chin several times here, recent hurricanes and all. So anyway, so that was my furthest away phone call I you know, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Typical classic KMOX phone call thing, you know, the stories about people here in the radio um, being when they're landing in London at night uh, on an AM signal, any all that kind of stuff. Anyway, phone lines are wide open. Josh Dunlap here from Mosby Building Arts, me from KMOX, John Courtney from Helitech Foundation and Waterproofing. We've got lots of things going on, and, you know... Greg Harvey was doing the moonwalk last hour, you know, all that stuff. Uh, John Courtney, what's cooking out there in uh, Foundationville? Uh, right now, you know, everybody's just uh, need to monitor the water uh, pressure around the house, making sure they don't have standing water sitting there. Uh, mm. So when we do hit this hard freeze, there's not an expansion pushing on the foundation. Got to make sure those gutters don't have 20 leaves in them, you know, to where we obviously, obviously have proper flow, getting that water away. And when I mean getting that water away, don't let it drain next to the house. Get it in extensions. Get it running. I don't care if you put it across the top of the yard for right now to get you into spring, but you got to do something to get that water. So we have a big snow and it melts. It's just not draining next to the foundation. So when we get hit with a big rain, you've just built up such a big water table that you're you're calling experts at Helitech to come help you out. So to be proactive there, make sure the water's away from the property and you're getting it away from the property the best that you can. Yeah, water goes from high concentration to low. That means if it's saturated soil on the outside, it's trying to get into that empty big bowl of foundation mm-hmm. basement. So... That's kind of the crude math on it, isn't it? That's it. And, you know, and, and just homeowner's maintenance is, is key. You know, making sure you go around and, and checking out all those things, Scott. You're absolutely right. You know, you'll poke your head in your crawl space from time to time. I know it's sometimes basements oh, or crawl yeah. spaces are scary to people, and they don't want to out of sight, out of mind is sometimes some of these homeowners' mindset. But, you know, if you don't want to do it, call, call us. We'll come over and take a look at it and just to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, Josh, uh, you're out and about around the town a, a good bit, too. You do a ton of consulting visits throughout St. Louis. Yes, uh, I do. What, uh, what, what are you seeing here around the holidays for uh, St. Louis homeowners? Uh, with anytime we're changing the seasons, uh, moisture management is always high on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really it comes you know, down to just regular house maintenance kind of stuff of 
you know, checking your batteries and your smoke detector, keeping your furnace filter clean, uh, keeping keeping the stuff that keeps your house running and running safely in in good working order. Yeah. Uh, you know, checking, walking around the house, doing a, a look, you know, condition of the gutters, like John said. Uh, getting that water ten feet away from the house is kind of a good rule of thumb, mm-hmm. and and just keeping up on just the general maintenance because if a problem left alone just turns into a worse problem. Yeah. <laughs> Either pay me now or pay me more later. Especially <laughs> especially when water's involved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cool. Uh, any big things uh, happening? I mean, uh, we hear, uh, you know, get things done before the holidays and such. Uh, are there any big pushes? Is there anything still, uh, you know, people realizing throughout Thanksgiving and Christmas, the Hanukkah gatherings and all the various uh, times we get together from, you know, a month ago to the month from now? Uh, people are seeing whether the houses work or not. Are you running into any of the, you know, that wall needs to go or I've always wanted, you know, a guest bath or? We we are. Uh, with with getting guests and family in from out of town often, you're looking at accommodations of is this bedroom big enough or even getting into is this kitchen going to gonna gonna suit our needs? Do I need that double oven now? And and do we have enough BTUs on that range to cook all the, all the food we, we want to make? Uh, bonus rooms, lower levels of, of just being able to entertain your the, your folks and and your friends adequately. Bigger decks, you know. Uh, winter seems to be a good time for for deck projects to get started because uh, you know you're not not worrying about landscaping and all that kind of stuff anymore. And and so you're hitting the the ground running when the when the spring and the summer takes off and you you get your barbecues out again. Uh, yeah, decks a good project. So oh. yeah, it's it's uh, good a good a good widespread. No, and for those family members that are smokers, decks are really nice to get them outside. And, you know, not too far. They're not in timeout. They're just outside <laughs> ventilating, you know, the outdoors. So I always appreciate the uh, decks and patios. And, you know, I enjoy stepping outside and I'll go out and chat with them. But, you know, but, you know, hey, thanks for smoking outside, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, could, you could make them a nice three-season room or a nice four-season room and... Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not that friendly. No, I think, I think outside's better. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900, 436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. You better call because there's three of us locked in a small room, <laughs> one door, and we're just having more fun than we should right here on KMOX. None of us have police records, to my not, well, none that I'm going to share with you anyway. You know, Josh might have a few things on me that... Really, we're not going to – we'll just keep that quiet. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. John Courtney, Helitech, Josh Dunlap, Mosby Building Arts, and me from KMOX pushing the buttons, and I hope I don't hit the ejection seat. Right here on University of KMOX. Stay tuned. Much coming your way on The Mighty Mox. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, we've been having too much fun. We need some phone callers. We're very, very lonely here in the corner room, KMOX. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. With all the rain we've had, surely you've got some water coming in somewhere. Uh, Any kind of caulking, lock repair, thresholds, uh, any kind of weather stripping around doors and windows, please get your screens repaired. I know that sounds silly. But by golly, you know, we're in St. Louis. We've got some 50, some really nice temperatures forecast here in the coming week. You will want to open those windows. At least I do. I'm old school, you know, South City.
humidity, all you know, air out the house, open the windows, get the wind, you know, fresh air, all that kind of stuff. So think about that. That's very important. Uh, so anyway, let's get back to the phone, see what's cooking here with my friend Mary. Mary, Scott, John, and Josh, how can we help? Hi. Um, so I was wanting your opinion on material, on whether or not Onyx is a good choice for a bathroom vanity top. Uh, I like the Onyx. Uh, turn your radio down in the background I there, just, Mary. Oh. I just did. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's seven seconds off, so it'll really mess right. with your head there. At least it does mine. Um, <laughs> I, I like Onyx. It's a uh, – first off, uh, describe what it is. Um, cultured marble was around for mm-hmm. years, and it mm-hmm. was the first generation of a polyester material. Uh, and then, you know, it, there were problems on it cracking, expanding contraction. So then uh, Onyx is like a third or fourth generation of a similar type material. And I, I like the onyx. You just have to be careful with it because it can scratch, just like a, a laminate for mica, any kind of countertop like that. You, you know, if you use an abrasive cleanser, barkeeper's friend, comment, you'll rub the surface right off. Um, so I have, we use onyx at Mosby a good bit. It, it's a, a good, affordable countertop. Uh, we use it in showers as well. Uh, I don't dislike it. It's about in the upper middle of quality line. Then you go to some of the solid surfaces, you get similar, more like the Corian type material or other harder materials with a through material. And then you get into your tiles and granites and marbles. And, you know, then you're in your very costly materials. I, I, I like Onyx. Well, my question is, uh, I did have a bathroom vanity custom made um, in 2012. So it's six years old now. And I'm disappointed because I just spotted a hairline crack down by the um, drain. Drain? Oh, yeah, that's old school stuff. Yeah, I that, mean, I, that happened with cultured marble all the time, and I hated it. And well, that's I, why I what was the onyx? I would call back your onyx supplier and, and see what that is. Number one, uh, the scrubby Dutch, what used to happen with the cultured marble was very, very hot water. And when that hot water comes out of the spout, it usually hits that drain, and it's literally a thermal shock. It would break just like concrete. So it's a fast heating element, and onyx is less susceptible to that. But number one, watch your hot water heater on this. But number two, on a warranty issue, if you're within three or four years on onyx, mm-hmm. I sure would uh, contact your supplier. I, you know, I know that's something, that's something we at Mosby would take care of. Well, it's six years, so yeah. I don't know. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I'd still contact them because, uh, again, uh, manufacturers will have a run and they might get a bad mix. So, mm-hmm. you know, from January to February, they had a lot of quality problems. So you could go back six years. They look in their records like, oh, yeah, Jan got one, you know, or Mary got one of those bum run deals. We we owe a new top, you know. So give them a chance okay. to, to make it right. It's not always um, too late for sure. And, and you're better, you know, this is where you... <laughs> It depends who you do business with. It depends on you know how far up and down that reputation scale uh, as to whether they stand up to a six-year-old issue like that. Yeah. Well, this is one of the top um, places in, in the city, but yeah. I bought the materials, but I had an independent contractor install it, so I don't know. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, then go to wherever you bought your countertop from on that, right. you know, because okay. Onyx is a good company. They're Midwest based. I think they're out in Kansas somewhere. And uh, um, okay. yeah, I think you may be okay. And, and, you know, it, it's a tough way. You are now the warranty holder for that product because of the way you bought that material. But still, you know, you're dealing oh. with a reputable company, and that is Onyx. Right. 
You know. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Thank you. Sure, Mary. Good luck. I, th- okay. I think you'll be surprised pleasantly on this. Well, good. Thank uh, you. All right. Bye. Bye. Next up, let's see what's cooking with my friend Mike here. Hey, Mike. Oh, wait a minute. I got two mics. Okay. So both mics go uh, uh, on a toilet issue. Mike with a toilet yes. issue. Scott here with yes. a microphone issue. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, it's. I have a bathroom in the far end of the house, and every time we flush the toilet, about 30 seconds later, there's some guy in the basement starts playing a tuba. You know, he's just a low rumbling sound uh, and i wonder if there's any way I, I assume that's some kind of pressure problem yeah he used to be in my house i asked him to go by your neighborhood and i guess he picked you <laughs> yeah i'm just wondering if there's anything i can do about that to eliminate that yeah that's a, a pipe hammer um but it's actually a foghorn sound uh the issue is typically it's around a shutoff mic where um one of the uh o-ring or a a seat um, in one of your shutoffs, like a stop, a, uh, like on-off valve for hot water or cold water. In this case, it would be the cold water. Somewhere upline of that, that seat or washer has come off of the, the valve body, and water's flowing around two sides. It's So water's flowing all the way around that. And it sounds just like a reed instrument, like a clarinet, a saxophone. You're hearing the oboe. So the, that's the honking sound and why it sounds so much like a um, musical instrument because, it, you know, the physics of it is exactly the same. Uh, mm-hmm. So by process of elimination, you're going to have to go down and start figuring this out because, uh, you know, and you can feel it when I'm, when I'm up against a foghorn, I'll go by vibration because I can't necessarily hear it so well when I get down in the basement sometimes. It seems weird, but it'll vibrate through the floor structure in the house to where it'll, it can be very loud away from where the sound is originating. Josh, any, any bits of wisdom to, to add there, brother? No, that's that's spot on. It's a little bit of a of an investigation you got to do because because that, that valve that's doing that vibrating, it, it's it's basically using the pipes as an amplifier. So that's why yeah. it just gets louder and louder. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it can be a little bit difficult to find out. But sometimes it's really easy because you just have someone flush a toilet. You walk around your basement or wherever, and then you you can, you can come in on it pretty fast. But yeah, it's get get the valve seat repaired or replace the valve. Yeah, and, and finding it out, really, I would ur- urge you to give it some time because, frankly, you call a plumber, the plumber's going to go down and do the same thing you are, just try and hear it. Um, so any process of elimination that you can get uh, makes a lot of sense. The only advantage a plumber gets is he knows exactly which valve turns on what and what's up line of your toilet, so he'd be a little quicker at it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, uh, most commonly our plumbers just cut out that valve and solder in a new one. Um, mm-hmm. to get past okay. that. And then they might talk about soldering in four others because if one valve is doing this, the others are all usually about the same age and about either they start rebuilding the valves and seats and, and washers or replacing those valves. Because a plumber, who's once he's got it all set up for soldering, you know, he could do four valves in about, you know, maybe five minutes a piece where the first one might take him 45 minutes to get set up and tear down. So he doesn't care whether he's rebuilding valves or resoldering, but it takes him all about the same amount of time, which you're paying time, you know, time is money, and that's how the charging works, so. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Mike, good luck, brother. It's a process of elimination. Don't be surprised when you're 0 for 3 and you still haven't found the right (laughs) valve. That's just how this game plays. Okay, thank you. All right, take care now. Bye. Bye now. 
John Courtney, cooking over here in the corner. Uh, you're just looking at the rain and uh, the wet soil outside, I know. Look like know. it's going to be a busy Christmas for us over there, <laughs> which is a good thing. You may not get much Christmas. You may have to just, you know, dash in and out of the... Well, if it was like, what was it, 2015, that, that uh, new Christmas going into New Year's, that flash flooding we had, that was a, that was a all hands on deck, and oh. it, was a, it was definitely a, a, a nightmare for homeowners at that time. Well, the lucky homeowners, their houses didn't flow, float away. Yeah. This is true, and you know, obviously, the that's when you hear your success stories, and that's why we're proud to be where we're at over at Helitech because of the warranties and the products we have. They fix cool. those issues when those type of tragedies come in, wow. and the ones that don't have it, and that's why we're in business to be there to help them out. And your warranty, I like the I, I like the discussion of the lifetime transferable warranty because when somebody comes to buy a house. If the foundation's been repaired, and I, I've been involved in these conversations, you know, it's like, well, who are these guys? It's like, well, I don't know. I never heard of them. It's like, well, then the buyer's not really trusting, you know, a name like Helitech. It's like, okay, I know who I'm in it with. That's exactly right, Scott. When you're going through, and we try to make sure we're involved with inspectors or real estate firms or engineering firms or any architectural firms or, or remodel firms or building firms that know who we are, to know what we do. So when they run across those issues, they know they can give us a call to come out there and help with those. Right. And what's the phone number and the website, Mr. Jones? Give us a call over at Helitech at 1-800-246-9721. Again, that's 1-800-246-9721. And the website for those that are on digital mobile all the time. You can go to helitechonline.com, fill out your information, and a lady will be in touch with you to take your information back and give it to an estimator. Cool. Well, Merry Christmas to you, John. Thanks for taking time out of your day and your family and, uh, you know, back to your sweetheart and kids. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you all as well. Right on. All right. John Courtney, Helitech Foundation and Waterproofing. And this week it's waterproofing, I think, so... Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, Josh uh, Dunlap is with me as well. Let's see if we can sneak one more in here and talk with my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, Scott Mosby here. How are you doing there? How can we help my friend? Hey, well, thank you. You guys got a great show. I appreciate you being available. Uh, I got a roofing situation, my friend, and uh, on it is a, um, a flat roof. It's in the city of St. Louis. It's a butamen roof, about 700, 800 square feet. And I'm wondering what would be the better material to uh, protect um, what is um, not so much the roof, but I want to keep the uh, the air conditioning bills down. And uh, would it be maybe elastomeric, aluminum coating? Well, what do you got in mind, please? Well, the bitumen roof there it used to be asphalt coating. The, the old black stuff is really a mop applied. It's a liquid applied and goes in several layers. Uh, as, as you get around St. Louis, you get up the food chain and you get into membrane roofs where if you think about this, Mike, as a swimming pool liner, a very heavy or thick roll of uh, is one product is a PVC uh, so and it's white. So they come in 10-foot rolls. They get sealed together at the edges. But uh, there are commercially popular roofs. They cost more, they perform better, and they last longer. And they, frankly, just, um, you know, they just don't have the opportunities for error. Um, and they, they lap up the parapet side walls and up over the top and the cap for the flashing as well. So getting outside of that asphalt or bitumen, which is the old type asphaltic roof, um, well, you know, there's some I good choices. Hey, hey my, my roof is relatively new. It's like about three years old and it's oh. got that, uh, width. they rolled it out 
It was probably like about a, a meter and a half wide, and then yeah. they torched uh, each side. So that's okay. good. That will hold. And uh, what can I use on that gray colored roof that would minimize the air conditioning bill? Oh, their coatings on top. They, if you've got a torch applied, uh, basically they melt the seams together. That's a good. That's right. a good roof too. That's very good. Um, but there are coatings that are available that are primarily just um, sun reflectors. Uh, exactly, and and that's where I'm kind of caught. I've done some investigation, and I don't know which one is really going to last the longest. Uh, any direction that would help a lot. I don't know. I'm you're out of my. You're down into the specialist point of view. I'm a good generalist. My advocate advocation would be this is a good investment. Uh, it, the more heating and and St. Louis spends about sixty percent of energy bills on cooling. So you're you're barking up the right tree. We generally spend a little more cooling our houses than we do heating them. So you're buying on the right side of the ledger as far as trying to keep the you know the sun the heat gain from you know, overly cooking your house. I, I don't know a specific product, Mike. It's, I'm out of my element on that. Maybe a listener has something to offer. All right. Well, I, I won't uh, I won't uh, squash your program in the future. I'll keep on watching. No, no. <laughs> Josh, do you have any experience with liquid, liquid applied coatings at all? Uh, I, well, yes, a little bit. Uh, really just take a look at what the manufacturer's uh, installation guidelines are of, of, of applied thickness and what kind of maintenance schedule you're going to be looking at. Because uh, anytime you're look, you're putting a coating or even just the roof in general, and it's getting sun sun exposure, you're looking at you know that that material degrading over time, and it's going to have to be maintained. So uh, that's really where a lot of the problems we see is where, where maintenance kind of failed. So take a look at the manufacturer guidelines, see what it does. But if you if you're putting on a solar reflectant coating, just follow the guidelines, and you should be just fine. Yeah, and don't get don't get lost in the, the you're talking about a solar reflect a, a heat reflector as opposed right. to a roofing mem, you know liquid membrane uh, because that's a, you're going to buy a new roof on top of that if you get you know a high quality material. So so the material right I, I hear where you're coming from yeah we want to reduce all the sun effects uh, but uh, what do you think the longevity of a, a butaman roof might be some. Some people are saying only six, seven years. I says, "What do you got to be kidding? I got to do this that often on a torch applied?" No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more like sixteen to seventeen. Years. You know, you're fifteen to twenty years on a, on a, on a well installed, and it depends about the substrate because you've got the foam and the slope and all of that and the flashings. The flashings right. go south way before the material does. Your problems typically are not in the actual roll, but more around where, you know, roof scupper drains and, you know, all the per- penetrations through the roof are. Well, that's a good tip. I'll be uh, running up there every uh, summer. I'll be checking things out. Hey, well, thanks a lot for the tips, guys. It's well worth listening to you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. I know we've got one listener now. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right. Take care now. Home Improvement, Josh Dunlap, Scott Mosby at your service. John Courtney just was with us for a little bit. He dashed off the, uh, we got him off the road long enough to bring him in here for KMOX and uh, had to turn him loose back out to help all the rain that's out there. You know, the forecast says it's going to get a little sunny this afternoon. Eh, Maybe, maybe, but it is getting warmer. We We are trending positively. Good there, so little, you know, good time to get out and do some shopping, getting around for the holidays. Phone lines, 314-436-7900, 436-7900, 800-925-1120. Josh and Scott, at your service, back for more after this. 
All right, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Josh Dunlap. We are live and lively, at least mostly alive. Uh, nobody's taken our blood pressure or pulse recently, but I think we're still, I, th- I think we're still amongst uh, those taking nourishment on a regular basis. Uh, let's go see my friend Jim, see what's happening here. Hey, Jim, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can we help? Well, I have a thought on the guy that just previous caller about the, his roof there. Oh, yeah. Uh, You're going to bail us out? Uh, Possibly. <laughs> he should have been thinking about adding insulation when they put the roof on before three years ago. Uh, I don't think you're going to get much effect of putting a reflective coating on top of a roof right now to pay for itself. But yeah, I think he should have put insulation on when he did it. Yeah, but, well, uh, maybe he did. I don't know. I hope he did. Yeah. Well, tell me more about that, Jim. What, on a flat roof, how do you go about putting, I mean, explain to people how you get that stuff on it. Well, you'd have to te- either add it on there or tear off and put a new ISO board down there and then put the new coating on top, new roof, uh, you know, surface. Yeah. And the ISO so board okay. comes in big plates and they lay it out, you know, like on a rector set. Right, right. You get uh, like two inches, like R19, mm-hmm. uh, which is, of course, better than nothing. But uh, uh, it, it does cost more money. But, you know, in the long run, it's going to pay for itself with uh, energy savings. So, but most people don't want to do that. So, yeah. But anyway. That's not why I called. I, I thought I'd throw my two cents worth in on that. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. New, new construction, insulating a uh, 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 finished basement. I'm kind of torn between craft face or unfaced and then working up, up to the main level. Uh, you know, a, a, a wet applied cellulose in the walls and then uh, uh, going up to R50 in the attic. Once again, about, uh, you know, uh, vapor barriers. What's your thoughts on a properly insulated house oh baby so far i'm tracking right with you on all of that um you know i I love what you're saying i like unfaced below grade because moisture gets in i want to be able to let it get out uh so unfaced bad insulation um uh, i'm not in favor of a blown or wet applied uh, cellulose down below grade i I would prefer to have uh, probably a fiberglass uh but something that lets the moisture in and out of the wall and that includes latex paint over the, the drywall if you're doing any of that or board insulation down in the base. So I'm tracking with either unfaced um, down below grade period. Once you get up into the house, you know, and Josh and I, uh, air infiltration, air leaks, bad stuff because that carries with it all kinds of bad things, mostly moisture. Um, water can leak as well. So your wet applied cellulose is basically, it's like a... Uh, almost like a paper mache, and we've actually seen um, uh, products. It's almost a, a gummy paint product that's an, an air barrier that gets blown into the wall cavity before the insulation. Love that. Anything that stops the air movement on that outside is number one, the best thing. Now, I'm going to drop back a little bit, Jim. Um, frankly, the best insulation is foam or insulation all the way around the outside of the house like you or I put a coat on. Then you're lapping over the outside of the studs the and the entire wall except windows and door openings. So the best thing is uh, some of that outside applied. Um, now we would uh, think of it as a rain screen where you basically foam the house from the outside, put on furring strips, and then you install siding or cladding, you know, with an airspace behind it, allowing everything that, and you know, water gets behind siding. It just is. It's a cladding, not a waterproofing. 
Uh, so uh, my first choice is outside insulation, if you will. Then you get inside uh, vapor retarder. There's some smart membranes uh, that can go on from uh, uh, Celotex and, um, you know, all the, all the main manufacturers, and those are great. Then you can put unfaced bats in those walls, uh, seal it, or you can do the wet cell applied or wet applied um, cellulose. That's really good. Uh, we've even gotten up into other areas where we've got finished attics and we'll put a thin one or two inch thick spray foam on it to block all that and then let, let that cure a few days and come back in with wet blown cellulose for the cost reason because, you know, eight inches of foam is like buying a new car. So, yeah, I, my concern about the foam is uh, uh, allergies and, and, and of course, uh, yep. you know, the, 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 the compounds they use to make it and causing health issues. But uh, right there with uh, you, just block the air yeah. first, whatever you do, invest first in a, uh, uh, an airtight, uh, the whole thing is build it tight, vent it right. How am I doing, Josh? Right out right. of building performance. Here we go. And everything we did so, wrong in our industry didn't do that. No, no. Times are changing, of course. Yeah. Uh, am I answering right, your question for that. you, Jim? Getting you where you need to go? Yeah, yeah. I guess the, how does the Tyvek fit into the equation if you're going to put a foam barrier on the outside? You really don't need the Tyvek then, do you? No, but I would still... Uh, now, be careful. You start putting... More is not always better. If you put a um, moisture uh, membrane like a Tyvek or uh, weather-resistant... Generically, it's WRB, weather-resistant barrier... If you put foam on the outside, you're trapping that moisture somewhat. So you have to be very careful how that now you need to really, you know, now we're, you need analysis more than just a couple of blokes on the radio telling you how to do it. So be careful. More is not better when you start doing those high performance materials. Two layer, two is not necessarily better than one. No, I understand. I, 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 I do know the house has got to breathe to, to function properly. Yeah, if I was putting uh, foam on the outside and then a rain screen, I would not use a, a, a Tyvek or WRB. Uh, unless yeah, my I'm, first house was a passive solar house, and it was yeah. completely airtight where I had to add a, a air exchanger to pump air in and pump air out to keep the moisture level down and the odors down. So yeah. I'm not going that path again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've already been there and back, so good for you. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right, Jim. Take care. Bye. All right. You know, and, and Jim cited he'd been uh, through the passive solar, the whole thing, and, and that, you know, built it too tight. Well, we built our wall cavities too tight. We made it, oh, so you know what? We'll just keep the rain and the snow out, so we'll make the outside of the house totally waterproof. We'll just, you know, we'll plastic the puppy up. It, no, nothing, nothing can get in. Well, We've got 100% relative humidity. I mean, right now, today, I would guess there's about all the moisture we can hang in the air called relative humidity or air droplets, you know, and, and that's inside our wall cavity. Yours, mine, ours. How do you get rid of that stuff? You know, it comes in on ambient air. So, Josh, you're shaking your head. <laughs> You've studied some interesting things on this one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this, this is the – it's a broad and multifaceted issue, and it really gets at what is the right solution for any one – uh, one home. Uh, yeah, moisture is going to move through the walls whether you want it to or not. It's where is it going to stop and <laughs> what is it going to condense on that you need to be concerned about. And that's why in the Midwest, we strongly discourage vapor barriers yeah. because we do not want that water, that's, that moisture that's passing through that wall to stop in that wall and drain down and cause a problem because it's going to accumulate and it's going to cause rot. So 
we recommend no vapor barrier, but good insulation that minimizes the airflow. And you keep those penetrations under control, cock your, your penetrations, and just keep the air under control within that space. Let the moisture through, have a good heating and cooling system to deal with it when it comes in the inside, and then keep the, the bulk rain weather uh, out. That's where your weather-resistant weather barrier comes in. That's where your rain screens and your siding come in. Yeah, yeah. And, and rain screen is nothing more than the siding being mounted a little bit away from the wall so there's an air path there. You know, and then and the fire guys don't like that because anything that allows air to move in a wall assembly means chimney, stack effect, flames, and fire spreads quickly. So you just, like, you know, mentioned with Mike, more, more is not better, you know, it just or with a gym anyway. So anyway, let's take yeah. a short pause for more. And uh, thanks, Josh. Oh, you're very Always welcome. adding special things. <laughs> Well, he's he's been there and back himself. So, uh, like I've mentioned, I think I've messed up more than more things than most people would know. And you know, golly, that's where some of this experience came from. I just did it wrong for a long time, and I figured it out. It's like I don't want to be part of the problem anymore. Learn from your mistakes. Amen, brother. Right on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together. Home improvement. I promise we really are. We're here and we've got phone lines. Josh Dunlap, Scott Mosby, KMOX at your service. Let's see what's cooking with my friend Larry. Hey, Larry, good afternoon. How can we help you, my friend? Hey, Scott. I uh, replaced my water heater uh few months ago and uh i've been trying to get the air out of the lines ever since then i've got on the internet and did this and that but every time i flush the toilet uh that's farthest away i always get knocking in the water lines i didn't know if you had any solutions to help me out um number one have you drained your entire house i mean really drained it i got the air back in the line well i you know i did the internet thing where they said shut off everything or actually turn on everything from yeah. where the water comes into the house and work your way back and then let it run for 10 minutes and then turn everything off and go back the reverse direction. And I still, every time I flush the toilet, I get that knocking in the water lines. Yeah, you you may just have a worn out uh, toilet guts too. I mean, how old are your toilets, uh, the, the flushing, you know, ball cock inside your toilet tank? How old uh, is that? Well, the house was built in 99 and that, I've replaced, you know, the flapper a few times, and and actually, it's just not isolated to that toilet. It's it's the other toilets also that do it. Okay, then you may be in a shutoff. Well, first off, you're at the uh, maintenance cycle for the toilet guts. So basically, uh, sometime now or in the near future, and I strongly recommend original OEM equipment, original equipment, man. You know, so if it's a Kohler toilet, get a Kohler guts, and American Standard, get American. You know, it, it matters because of. They're, they're getting some pretty high-performance uh, flushing mechanisms going on. So anyway, that's in your future. As far as that sound or pipe banging, um, it, did you put an expansion tank in with this water heater? Uh, yes, I did. Wow, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have this uh, problem then, frankly. You've, you do have a, either a valve or a washer or seat in one of the shutoffs upline of that fixture of that toilet or whatever. So we had an earlier caller about this too. What happens, and it can be hammering 
where it's pounding back and forth, which is usually putting a uh, hammer arrestor or whatever. Uh, we call them hammerheads, uh, but it's, it's an air chamber vertically installed in your supply line of water. Um, okay. That's uh, number one, and you just have to eliminate that. You have to find out where that shutoff is and literally either rebuild it or replace those stops in line. And it could be the main one to the house. So if it happens, right. no matter what water you look, start at the very shutoff for the house and see where that is and work your way through it. Uh, but yeah. don't outlaw. I mean, you may have four or five things going on, too, that just happen where you change this water heater. And, uh, you know, the air chamber in above that water heater should be kind of a shock absorber or um, mm -hmm. air pocket for arresting this sound. Um yeah, I know before I put that expansion tank in there, I did a, a the water heater pop-off valve popped off a few times. I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. So yeah. once I put that in there, I quit doing that. But then I replaced the water heater after it died, and now I'm getting the banging noises in the pipe. So I'll just try yeah. and figure it out, I guess. I No, I'm suggesting they're not related. Uh, it, okay. you, it just, ha you know, it's like, well, we remodeled the kitchen and the refrigerator quit working. You know, it's like, well, okay. your refrigerator, I mean, most of your house is ready for something to be replaced on it anyway. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't uh, necessarily think that the water heater is directly related to this. I would look at more of some of your worn out things. Um, dishwashers, there's solenoid valves on uh, dishwashers, on clothes washers that have magnetic electronic on-off valves. Those springs get tired. Uh, your toilet flushing mechanisms, those springs get tired and they no longer uh, decisively shut off the water. They can kind of shut it off and then when the weather, when the water starts moving, it starts fluttering and then it, it makes the hammering even worse. So it's an accelerating sound even. Um, so I think you're just starting to replace some of the pieces in your house. Josh, any help here? Uh, the only thing I thought is uh, if we if you rule out all all the problems or if you rule out all the situations in the house, you might want to look at uh, the water service and has anything gone in in the neighborhood like they've replaced uh, the water mains or anything like that. Because if you get a pressure change, that could affect your entire house and you you could be dealing with higher pressure. Ooh. And maybe your old water heater, you know, the one that when that uh, valve popped off, that could have been a result of uh, higher water pressure that I'd never seen before. Yeah. So uh, maybe look along those lines, but it's, it's kind of like really reaching at this point. Uh, I, usually it's you look for the, the easy answers, and, and then you kind of work up from there. Uh, but I wouldn't rule that out, that you may have a, a, a pressure issue with your water service. Yeah, and your pressure-reducing valve, too. You may have some, you know, it may be a fine valve, but it may have some gook in it now because, who knows, you've got a lot of things happening. Yeah. All right, well, I will... Uh Get out my toolbox and figure it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Larry, bottom line here is uh, yeah, it may not be related to that water heater directly, but you have a lot of things that probably need attention anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks for your help. All right. Good luck, my friend. All right. Bye. Bye. Next up, let's see if we can sneak Joe in here. Hey, Joe, Josh and Scott here. How can we help? Yes, I got a bathroom door that when you open it, it wants to close all, all, all the time. So I'm... How can I straighten that out? Uh, either the wall is leaning or the door frame is leaning. Typically, it's swinging to just like a pendulum. You know, if you have a plumb bob or, you know, a tether ball, it, it will swing to its lowest level. So something's not put in straight up and down. Well, uh, I, I was replacing, uh, putting uh, pieces of cardboard behind uh, the uh, 
hinges, and uh, it would work for a while, and then it would go right back opening up again. Well, one of the things my dad taught me was binding the hinges. You basically pull the pin on one of those hinges, and where the leaves are, where you've got three, um, you know, of the pieces and then two that slide in between, turning one of those a little bit side, basically make the door swing less freely. So you literally bind the door hinge and try and keep it open. Uh, beware, it'll, you know, it can start... Uh, um, it can start squeaking too because by binding it, you're literally putting metal bind in it. Mm-hmm. But that's an old that's an old old carpenter thing. Well, I've seen uh, carpenters uh, they would uh, put a piece of cardboard behind a, a hinge and that would correct the problem. Yeah, you're beyond that, I think. Sorry, we got to go. We'll be right back. Thanks for uh, KMOX uh, listening. Appreciate it. Okay.